Welcome to the Drunk Guides Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and beer makes everything better. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading Lincoln in the Bardo by George Saunders. And starting with this beer you brought, Jimmy, what is this? Uh, I believe it's called Dark Apparition. I don't remember who makes it. Jackie O's. Oh, right. That's good that she's keeping busy. <laughs> it is a Russian Imperial Stout. Jackie O's is a brewery in uh, Athens, Ohio. Do you just know that, or do you read it? I know lots of things about beer. It's, oh, it's my job I've to never, know. I've never honestly even heard of this one. Jackie O's, I've had a couple of things by them. Okay. Never been disappointed, actually. I've uh, never had this one, though. So oh, hopefully keep that streak alive. she was alive. a president lady, and this is about presidents, so that's another connection right there. That's true. I hadn't thought of that. Who's she was a president lady? Jackie O? Oh, 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 okay, I got it. Not the ghost. I thought you were pointing at the thing on the... No, that's a scary scary ghost. We can get into all those weird Lincoln and Kennedy connections. Yeah. I think they had another thing in common. They got shot in the head. (laughs) Ah, that's what it is. That's the connection, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know those things where it's like, Lincoln was shot in in the Ford Ford Theater, theater. and and Kennedy was in a Ford. Was in a Ford Lincoln. (laughs) Yeah. Whoa. Holy shit. Oh, man. And like his secretary was named Lincoln, and that one's was named Kennedy, or something like that. There's a whole lot of them, and the number of letters. It's it's ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous stuff. So this is a Russian Imperial Stout, ten and a half percent alcohol, Potent. perfect for a warm day before noon. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bowl of spaghetti this morning, just in case. <laughs> I ate leftover PF Chang's, so it's gonna get windy. <laughs> be turbulent in here. <laughs> turbulent. The air will not be still. I'll tell you that. But it will be dank. <laughs> this is really sweet. Kind of, it is really sweet. Thick, you know, it's not as thick body. as I thought it would be. And I feel like it. There's a lot of when I hear Russian there. Imperial Stout, I think oatmeal the drink. That's what I always want. <laughs> I want to chew it. <laughs> I don't want to ever chew it. <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about the beer still, right? Oh, I guess <laughs> that too. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's very sweet. It's hard to tell. I mean, there's like a kind of a molassesy flavor Actually, to it. I want to say. I really like this a lot. It's it's smoky. Yeah, I like this it. This is one of my I like it. Those stouts I've liked more than yeah. others. It's pretty badass. Also, because it's not just coffee chocolate. It's sweet. I like the sweet ones. No, it's nice. So it's an interesting mix. I've never had a stout of this flavor. This not coffeeish, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a flavor you don't get that you, do, you would expect to. I dig it. Um, Good job, Jackie. <laughs> Glad things are working out. So, Dark Apparition. You picked it. Why? Because this book is about ghosts. Oh, that's right. So Lincoln and the Bardo won the Booker for 2017 or 18. I forget which year won it. Last year. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think they give it out. It's like they give it out the next year. So the they number to make sure all the books me. are out. So it was the 2017 Men Booker Prize. So I think the way it works is uh, publishers can submit two books, any two books, and I think they just have to come out that they year. Go by publisher? Yeah, at least yeah. The two a publisher would have up to two entries. What, published in London um, that year or something it, like that. That changed recently, right? So it used to have to be by an author. From the British Commonwealth slash Ireland and like was it Zimbabwe that's not in the Commonwealth anymore, but it used to be. So it had to be an author of that extraction published in English that year. I think it was the rules. Now it's open to anything published in English. So Americans, George Saunders is American, right? Mm-hmm. Americans have now won it twice in a in, row. Yeah. In the three years they've been eligible to win. Oh, yeah. America's number one. <laughs> Fuck you, England. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> red coat ass motherfuckers. That's right. <laughs> so the, uh, Publishers can submit the books, and I think they announced the the long list comes out in the summertime. I want to say like July, July, and then that's like a dozen books or so usually. And there's a panel of judges, and they work their way through those, I guess, and then they vote and they come up with a short list, which is about five books, and that comes out probably later in August. And then the finalist, the winner, is announced in October or so. Um, so something. So one year I tried to read all of them before the winner came out, 
so they announced their long list, and I got all the books and tried to read them. But one book had not been published yet; it was mm. not published till December. So they just have to like make copies Do they have, like, available. Like advanced manuscript or something. I think they have to like make a small number available. Like a thousand copies have to be available for sale or something like that. But that's really not very much when the book could be published in London. We're probably not going to see those at your, yeah, you know, Barnes and Noble over here or whatever. So that year, one came out in December. I was like, well, you know what? I bet that's not going to win because that'd be stupid. And it didn't. It didn't even make the shortlist, motherfucker. Well, it wasn't out. No one knew. But then nobody votes. It's just by this panel of judges. Yeah. And they're like professors and other writers and stuff like you know, publishers. And they well, if you're, I think I read that if you're on the, the Man Booker Prize like panel, you're, that's your job for a year because you have to read all like 150 submissions. You have to you actually read and take notes oh, and Jesus. like know, like just to bring it, just to break it down from the, all the submissions down to the that long list. very quiet year. Yeah. So you have to you have to you have to read and like really get into 150 books in a year, which is a lot even for us. That is a lot. That's crazy. And they're probably all some, like real some of them are substantial monsters. books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not all of them are very entertaining. Some of them are really just like this is this is oh, another treatise. Mm-hmm. But the uh I read a thing a few years ago about a guy who was like a judge on the National Book Award, I think it was it was, and he had to read like some obscene number of books that he had to buy an extra bookshelf in his house, like an extra bookcase to put them on, and it collapsed from the weight of the books. <laughs> and then he read so many, he read so Was it much. Ikea? It was probably a shitty one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he read so many things that he detached his retina from one eye. What? Like, he had to go see a specialist. Like, his eye, the amount of reading fatigued his eye to the point of injury. That's the nerdiest injury I've ever heard But he of. also kind of said that at a certain yeah. point, like halfway through a book, you're like, this isn't going to win. I'm not really going to read the rest of this book. I could just... Because for the National Book Award, at least, like anything could be admitted or it's very... So there would be like self-published garbage things submitted for that, you know, whatever. Okay. So the book is probably a little better. That's so screened a little more. Yeah. Because it has to be sent by the publisher and they can only send two books. They can't just send their entire catalog for the year and be like, something might make it. So I guess there's a strategy element to it. Also, George Saunders really only writes short stories this is and like novel. one novella. This is literally, I mean, he's, he's loved in the literary community as far as I can understand, but this is his only novel length work. So it's literally the only thing that could, could ever have been nominated so far. Did you ever hear of anything from his before, hear of him before? I've never heard of him. I didn't either. All I know is that I was watching uh, the new Colbert show, and he had George Saunders on just after he won the Booker, and Colbert says, you are my favorite author. I was like, oh, that is really interesting. But that's I mean, probably like the first time I'd ever heard of him. I'd, I'd certainly check out his other stuff. I don't think short story collections can win the Booker. I can't think of any that have. Uh, yeah, I don't I think I, I've read I don't probably think so. about half of the winners or a third to a half of the winners I've read. And they're all novels. There's no, I mean, some are weird, and this one's definitely in the weird category. Like some are more experimental oh, yeah. things, like um, stream of consciousness kind of writing, or like Ulysses. So yeah, there was one that won, and then was it the '90s? How late it was? How late? That was like a stream of consciousness kind of rambling weird thing. You know, a lot of it tends to, a lot of the winners tend to be like historical fiction, specifically Indian historical fiction. <laughs> There's like a bunch <laughs> from that that are in that category, like Midnight's Children and stuff like that, where it's dense shit about depressing times in history. That sounds fun. They're they're usually downers. Very few comedies have won. Mm-hmm. Although the American that won before this, definitely a comedy. Yeah. So The we, Sellout, excellent book. Yep. Right Which there. we'll never discuss because that's just a can of worms I don't want to get into. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but it's a really good book worth checking out. We did Life of Pi. That won the booker. Hmm. I think the last comedy that won was like Vernon Godlittle in like 2006 or something like that. That one, that was a comedy. They're usually serious books. And this is too. Yeah. 
but this is also an experimental thing. So we should probably talk about that first. Like the format of it is weird. Bizarre. It is, I think, the strangest thing, the most strangely, strangestly written thing I've ever read. Yeah, I was convinced that I was reading a poor, like, internet rip <laughs> that they had just like copy pasted all the text and said, "Good enough," and they didn't bother to reformat it. But they didn't. It was the real thing. I I, did, I thought the first chapter. I was like, is this like a weird introduction? Like, is this, it's going to stop doing this. So what, yeah. what, we should talk about so, okay. what that is. The first, uh, it's sort of like there are two different formats, you could say, to the, to the kind of chapters. Like one, the first format is basically people talking like in conversation, but it's not written in like regular paragraphs. It really is, but it's written as a conversation. And they're between ghosts. We'll get more into that later. And then the other type of chapter is sort of like very short one, two, like one or three or five sentence like quotes that are just basically supposed to be from historical works or personal accounts of what it was like in the White House in 1862 and stuff like that. Turns out he just made a bunch of those up though. So, But a good number of them are real. Yeah. So the one, I mean, you in the beginning I was reading every one of those quotes because you'd say... You know, and Lincoln looked really pale as a ghost, and he was tall. And then it would be from the journal of General McClellan, published by whatever. This, and I was like, okay, I guess should I keep track of this? Yeah. And then after a while, I kind of ignored all those. But one, the only, you did recognize a book, like Team of Rivals by was it Doris Kearns Goodwin, mm -hmm. which I think won the Pulitzer for nonfiction. A few I believe years ago. it did too. Yeah. That was a huge bestseller book. So I never read it actually, but I've seen the, that the book. film Lincoln was at least partially based on that book. So I knew that title, and I was like, oh, that's at least one real thing. So I kind of just assumed the rest were real too, honestly. But some were a little bit too good. It's like some of the yeah. quotes were just a little bit too spot on. <laughs> and I was like that, that can't be real. No How one. How really could they know that? that? So, I mean, they're actually kind of, I, I would say that there really is only one format in the chapters. Like, some just focus more on the ghosts and some focus more on the historical sources, but there are some chapters that have both. Really? There are a couple. I of, don't think there's any chapters that have both. I, they but switch. the chapters are often very, very short. So Yeah, the chapters are one That's page. That's true. I think it's, I think it's, there, it's either one or the other. But, well, I mean, either way, wrong. but they kind of all follow one story of one day, and it's just from two perspectives, one of the living and one of the dead. And that's yeah. the day mm -hmm. that Willie Lincoln died of typhoid in 1862 and he was lincoln's was that his oldest kid he was youngest kid. no oh, he, uh, young, he was youngest tad. youngest didn't, at the time so they had three kids and two of them died i think one of them died maybe i should look this up back when they still lived in springfield illinois and then another one willie who was what five years old it was 11 yeah, 11 yeah. years okay so a little bit old but anyway like 9 10 11 years old but then they had an older one too because they had a kid who was a teenager late teens by the time of... Um, well, at the end of the book, it's revealed he's got another kid that's also sick, but he's feeling yeah. better, and he's like, shit, that kid could be dying too. Tad, they call mm -hmm. him. Tad. Tad. All right. Actually, they had Tad. four children. Uh, Abe Jr. Willie. Willie. Yeah. Poopai. Ed Edward. I think that's Tad. No? No. Is Tad Tad is a different one. I mean, people... There's Robert, uh, Edward, Willie, and Tad. Is Tad not short for something? Paul. Tadwin. Tadward. Tattlebert. <laughs> so Robert Todd Lincoln was the oldest, then Edward, and then Willie, and then Tad. I think Willie and Tad both died. Oh. Tad killed himself because his name was Tad. <laughs> I think this is a tad too much. Uh, uh, no, well, uh, 1871 is when he died, so 1850. So he was actually still pretty young, but um, he died when he was 18, but after the war. And after, Anywho, and after yeah. Lincoln was dead, too, so they're like, eh, we don't really need to follow those people anymore. Yeah, they're unimportant. Mm -hmm. And did he have two wives? 
Like, uh, did one die? Did she die relatively young or something? Was she sick? I don't know. Mary Todd Lincoln? I was think he only had one. I think he just had the one. Just the one? I think she, like, lost her mind. She, she was... Oh, okay. Her saying, mental yeah. health was not... Uh, I'm, like, conflating the dead kid and the crazy wife, I guess. Yeah. She had, like, a mental breakdown and just never got better or something. Like the country did. Ah. Ooh. Burn. Ooh. History. That's right, jokes. Thanks, Lincoln. What's the word when uh, something represents a larger thing? Not metaphor. a metaphor. I think, I think there's another thing where it's like a small thing, but it like... Is that like uh, synecdoche or mimesis or like one of those weird, weird words, words you class. never hear again? Um, it's like a representative of the larger whole. It's like when they say the White House and they mean the government, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that synecdoche? I think I that's what know. that is. I don't know. That's that movie with Phil Zimmerhoffen. That's one of, the, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's one of those uh, stupid words I remember from like 11th grade English. It's it like, could be that because in that, isn't that where he builds the small town model in the larger town? It's one of those words that's a fucking stupid one to spell. Thanks, Greeks. It's got like 11 Ks and well, a Y. It's, it's S-Y-N-E-C-H, is it? Synecdo... Yeah. I think there's no K. I think it's C-H yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's C-H. Synesh... <laughs> it is... Synecdoche. Yep. A figure of speech in which a, in which a part is made to represent the whole or vice versa. As so. in Cleveland, Cleveland won by six runs, mm-hmm. meaning Cleveland's baseball team. Okay. So it's not exactly the same thing, but I'm going to go with it. Yep. Thank you, Miss Chung. <laughs> Fucking bitch. Oh my god. Okay, so we need definitely another beer, and we do. then to actually talk what's about happening. what's happening in the book. Okay, we haven't done that yet. So it's hard to really know. It is anyway. So in the beginning, you're like, this is about it. it takes place, and um, everyone's you're not, really, you're not really sure the first chapter because it's the ghost, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? But they're going on, and it's like, except it doesn't even quite explain that they're ghosts. So uh, no. there are a lot of different characters in the book that they're mostly only in it for a little bit. But the two sort of main ghosts who you see the most are Roger Bevins the third, whoops, and Henry Volman, Hans Volman, Hans Volman, and Hans the Meat Volman, and uh, one thing that you, for all the ghosts, what they talk about is sort of what they regret in their lives. I guess you could say. What was important to them and what they what they regret in their lives, and each each one is sort of like telling the story of not just maybe not necessarily how they died, but, but also, also that they don't know they're dead. Yeah, they don't quite seem to understand. It seems to be that like they're a, dead. maybe it's like a willful denial. I think thing. that yeah, I want to talk about that actually because I'm not sure about that. This is a beer I brought called the Pint of No Return because they are dead and you don't return from that, and that's actually important later in the book too. Uh, and who makes this? Is it Hardywood? Hardywood. Well, we're talking about Hans Volman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get there in a second. Um, so this is a black lager, 5.5% alcohol. Which also connects black, because black people in the Civil War. And they have, a, they have their own thing in the book. That's true. Yeah. That was actually not why I picked this beer, though. <laughs> so yeah, it starts with uh, Hans Volman. Tell- yeah, it's a lager. Lagers are... Yeah, I guess I just see the color and I, I imagine something different. It's, it's, a, it's like an illusion. I like this stuff. This has, a, a, you know, standard coffee, chocolatey flavors, but it's not too heavy. Too heavy for a hot date, for sure, but just enough like roasty kind of bitterness in there to make it like a baby stout. Mm-hmm. So oh. I, I forget which is which, but the first the first guy I think it's I think Hans it's Volman first, who talks about oh I had you know just married this girl, but I didn't fuck her because I was being nice to her, and then because just he was, as he was old because I was old and she was and she was very young, he was in his forties, and she was like sixteen. Or eighteen or something. Nice. And then just when my just when my wife sends me a note saying let's get to know each other a little better, he In dies. Sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's working at his printer shop, and a beam just falls out of the ceiling and hits him in the head and kills him. Cock block by God. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, except he's in he's in denial, and. Let he, me show you my wood. God said, <laughs> as the timber fell on him. And then the other guy, 
who is Roger Bevins III, he is gay, and he had decided to kill himself because the man that he loves, like, won't love him back or wants to he be was with someone else. Yeah. And, and all these characters, by the way, we find out when they die. One, I forget which one's which. One died during the Polk presidency, and one died during the Taylor presidency. Yeah, they're kind yeah, of. So they don't really. They've been dead for a while. Time is they just kind of are. Yeah. So, yep. so, so anyway, he, he was he tried to he was in the bathtub. We went to like slash his wrist, but then he changed his mind, yeah. and then he tries to he tries to go downstairs for someone to like go call a doctor. Except then he slips and falls down the stairs and lands on his face, and then he dies right there. Except he still doesn't quite know it. Right, it's just, that's the thing that happened, and now I'm here. And they keep saying that they're sick. Right, they don't yeah, my refer, sick box. They don't call it a cough, and they call it a sick box. And like, there's where you go to get better. Like, there's something wrong with them, but they're going to get better at some point. Like, this is a temporary thing. They, I mean, even though Roger Bevins III has hundreds of eyes and noses, or something, and they could change. They, all of them could change forms and shapes. Like, there's the two guys that have grown together. And Han Solomon is completely naked and has an enormous penis. It's fucking hard as a rock. <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's also because it's like. Swollen and discolored because they're dead. Because he's right. Because they're rotting. Ring on. It's really swollen. He's had a, an erection lasting more than four hours. He should have seen a doctor. Like 40, he really needs years. to see a doctor. Yeah. They had that one guy who was followed around by a larger version of himself, whispering discouraging things in his ear. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the guy that was the hunter. That he has. To, he's surrounded by the corpse of every single thing he ever killed. <laughs> and it's like there are hundreds of deer, thirty-two bulls, one wolf. 11 coyotes, 712 squirrels, like this long list of things, like 4,000 ants, like, and he has to, (laughs) whatever the number was, it was crazy numbers, and he has to take them one at a time and just, like, hold them and just (laughs) contemplate that he killed it. And depending on the creature, it could be, like, a minute or, like, 10 months that he just sits there holding it, just kind of like, I fucking killed this squirrel. And just look at it. <laughs> this is the weirdest shit I've ever read. And there are like, and there are so many of these weird little characters like that. I mean, you figure out pretty quickly that they're dead. Yeah. Because the other story that weaves into this is with Willie Willie Lincoln, and he's dying as there's some sort of party at the White House. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the party was for. I don't really remember. It was like, hey, we're, the Civil War's still happening. Let's have a fete. <laughs> but yeah, you know, society things. Uh, and then he dies, and then Willie Lincoln is brought to. The, the sick place. Or they, they, don't put him, they put him in a borrowed tomb or something. Yeah. Like, they didn't have one ready, so they just used it friends. Yep. And the, what do they call it? Like the White House? Not the White House. Like they have it called, like the, he's in a mausoleum. Yeah. And I forget what they call it. Like the White Marble House or the White Stone House or something like that he's living in. Something like that. And uh, he's in there, and then he kind of like his ghost is wandering around. He's like, what's happening? What's up, guys? I'm a kid. And they're like, cool, man. Let's hang out. It's like, what is this place? Then they go around and like meet all the other really weird people. At this point, I kind of thought that this book was basically the Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman, but for grownups. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever read that book. I have, yeah. I mean, I a little bit. The Neil, not to say that the Graveyard Book is not for grownups, but in the Graveyard Book, there's a kid who is uh, he's alive, but he's raised in the graveyard by all the ghosts, and they're all weird. And they, it's like Tarzan, but dead people. Yes. Okay. And uh, you know, he he like wanders around, and the ghosts raise him and take care of him. I was like, this is like this feels like the Graveyard Book a little bit. You know, like these. Older ghost, like, oh, let me show you the ropes, kid. Don't mind my giant boner. And, uh, <laughs> and he wanders on. That's just something I thought of reading it. That's pretty much where the connection ends because the plots are wildly different. Mm-hmm. But that setting was really... Like, that was just the only other book I've read or a movie I've seen or anything where there's like, like a graveyard, graveyard and the spirits just kind of wander around and hang out and just in the graveyard. They don't leave. They can't leave because of the fence or something, right? The fence holds them in. Right. And then uh, they just kind of hang out there and... They exist. Yeah. And don't understand that they're dead. Not quite. Well, one character does. The Reverend does. Reverend 
Everly? Everly, Thomas Everly. He's the one that had a always perpetually su- uh, surprised expression on his face. Yeah, like his mouth <laughs> was an O. Like a, like a fish, and he like, uh, can't, he like can't move out of that position. Well, he's probably surprised because he knows he's dead. So he, he remembers going to, this is revealed like halfway through the book, but he, he goes to... The Doors of Judgment. Yeah, and he, and there's a, and he, he calls it like Christ's emissary because he was a whatever, Presbyterian minister or whatever he was. He sees the two people in front of him. One guy go, is welcomed into what he perceives as heaven. It's like, like a very nice place. It's like a big feast. Right? They take this guy big who's party. in like a, like a 1830s bathing suit <laughs> into... Right? He's a guy in, like a, in a bathing trunks or whatever he's wearing with a big bushy red beard. It's like a young, healthy Santa Claus. And he yeah. goes into heaven. But they're like, tell us about your life. Don't fucking lie. And then he's like, I don't know. Take a look. What do you think? And they pull his heart out and put it on a scale, which is very uh, like Egyptian in like the. I think that is pretty yeah. much Egyptian. Right, but they didn't like measure it against a feather. Who was that? Was it a uh, tote or I forget which. That's how you can tell if it's a witch. If it's, if it's heavier <laughs> than a feather. <laughs> and he goes in. They're like, awesome, come in. And then the next guy, who's like a rube hillbilly dummy, who's like, this is really fancy. I've never been to a place like this. Like. And they're like, let's see your life. And they pull out his like decrepit, shitty heart. And they're like, oh, nope. Like as soon as you they see there. him, they're like, oh, dude, you're not gonna, you're they're, not gonna have fun here. They're repulsed by him. And then he goes into a different diamond door that is just, it's hell. It's like fire and torture. And they like drag him in. He's like, well, so what's going on? This is this is different. <laughs> and then the door slams shut, and the priest is like, uh oh, not the priest, excuse me, the reverend. I don't. This doesn't bode well. And then he, uh, they they look at his, and they're even more disgusted than they were with the previous guy. And he's like, but I was a man of God, and you know, maybe I was guilty of pride for trying to be so good, and uh, you know. Yeah, they never really say why he was so evil. But they're like, oh, you are fucked. And then he just runs away and lives in the cemetery then. So he knows the whole time. He just pretends to not know. You know what else would be good? Well, I'm just going to try to get this. Here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because most of them feel, uh, I mean, I got this when I only read half the book, but I still, still think it applies. This is called yeah. Now You Can't Leave. Which is how a lot of them kind of feel about well, well one player or another. Most of them can't leave because they don't understand what's going on. This is from the Bronx Brewery. Which, by the way, this is a. Have you ever seen a Bronx Tale? Yeah. This is a line from that movie slash uh, Broadway play okay. slash one man show. It's a double IPA, ten point one percent. So it's a big boy. It's actually a really cool movie. I saw the Broadway play. I didn't really like it as much. I remember watching the movie when I was a kid. Probably a good movie for a kid. I watched it as a kid too, but I had, you know, Italian yeah, it family. Wasn't so they were like, this is, this is how things used to be, son. Like, it looks terrible. Like, man, <laughs> why do they keep calling the black people that word? That's what they were, son. Like, uh-oh. <laughs> man, this doesn't feel right. It like, takes place in the early 60s of Bronxdale, and there's a gang of, maybe the mid-60s, of biker guys, like Hells Angels looking dudes, come into the bar in the super Guido mobby part of town at the Chez Bibi, is the bar where all the mafia guys hang out. And then they refuse to serve the guys. And then Sonny, the big mob boss, is like, what's the problem here? And it's just Chaz Palminteri, which is like his best role ever. He wrote the movie and uh, wrote the he story. Playing himself. It's his life. Well, it's, he pl- it's based off, he play, his life is that, the, the kid. Because mm-hmm. Chaz Palminteri's real name is Collagero, actually. It's not Chaz. I prefer Chaz. It's a little cool. I mean, that's what Sonny Bono's kid did, too. I also prefer Chaz. <laughs> so... Uh, the, like, the guy's like, hey, man, we just, it's just a hot day. We just want to get a beer. Is that all right? And then Sonny's like, spoken like a gentleman. Give these guys a beer. And then the guys are pricks, and they shake the beers up, and they like spray it. Like You put your thumb over it, so it like, shoots the foam out at the bartender and make a mess. And then they like, high-five each other and laugh. And then you keep sitting there. Like, we're just gonna, now we're going to sit here. We're, like, we're cool. Like, everyone's like, what the fuck's going to happen? He goes to the door, and he locks it. And he goes, now you can't leave. And... And, and there's this all. scene where everyone kind of freezes, and they're like, "Holy shit, what just happened?" Like that 
changed dramatically. And then they beat the fuck out of those guys. And he beats them up in the street. And it's really cool because he like, they fuck up their bikes and like kick over their bikes and hit them with bats and shit. And then he picks up the head of the guy that was the gentleman. And he says, look at me. I'm the one who did this to you. Remember my face. Like, it's like badass. And you're like, oh, my God. I don't want to ever spill beer on an Italian. <laughs> I don't want to ever go to the Bronx. That's, that's that too. But we've had some, several Bronx brewery beers. I've never had this. What do you, uh, I think we pretty much only had um, IPAs, it feels like, and that one that tasted like caprese salad. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of Italians. So what do you think of this? Um, it is a strong okay IPA. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's nice. It is strong. I like this. I can feel it. It's, it's a heavy-duty sucker. It is a little cloudy, but it's not quite like the New England thing, but no. it's also not super-duper bitter. It's definitely, yeah. I'd be okay with it. I think if I had a whole one of it, it would be... Dangerous. I think I would need a nap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, one, that's, that's, that's one, one already. Yeah. You just couldn't leave, huh? You'd have to... <laughs> I like it. I, I think it's really great. It's not quite as like juicy as the New England things that are really popular now, but it's not quite as bitter as like the West Coast IPAs that Would you say it's a, a midpoint? Like between life and death? It's a, mid- <laughs> it's a, it's a Midwestern it's IPA? A, it's a purgatorial beer. It's like... It's purgatorial beer, It's yeah. in some beer limbo. Beer bardo? Ooh. Beardo. Beardo, yeah. Beardo. It is the beardo. Beardo sounds like a terrible... Terrible wizard. <laughs> we cast beard spells on, yeah. with, his, with his beard. I mean, that'd be the best wizard. And he speaks only in, in you know, barber puns. Like, I must ask you a question, <laughs> apprentice. There can't be that many barber puns, though. Uh, every time he escapes from a battle, like, that was a close shave. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Beardo. <laughs> He'd still be a better wizard than Harry Potter. Yeah. That is true. That is definitely true. Because he knows more than four spells. Yeah. And he could figure out when a rat is just a dirty old man watching teenage boys touch themselves. So back to this book. Yeah. Now they can't leave. So all the ghosts, they find themselves here, and they're just like, oh, did there's this new kid. Did we ever say what the Bardo actually is while no. we were recording? We did not know. We did not know. We did that before. So Bardo is the Tibetan concept of... Tibetan Buddhist... Purgatory. Purgatory. Basically. It's like where you go before you're reborn. In an interview, George Saunders said that he decided to go with the term Bardo for the title just so people wouldn't quite... Judge it based on their like Christian knowledge standards kind of thing. Because if he said it was just purgatory, people would go, "Well, where is the Hail Marys?" and blah blah blah. He wanted it to be a little less, much looser. How than come that. there's a Presbyterian there? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> he should be in hell. <laughs> That's why he didn't go with his original working title of and Silly Willie Lincoln in the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> Silly Willie would be a great name. There's a difference between whatever the Bardo means in Buddhism and what like limbo and purgatory, those things get conflated too, and I'm not really sure what they are because when yeah. I was in Catholic school, so I think this is anyway. also just his own version of whatever the fuck. Sure. And throughout the book, I think the religion that they were referring to is still ultimately some Christian thing. It's f- we could talk specifics at some point. but Yeah, could what, be. Mm, something like that. I mean, there's no, there's no talk about rebirth, and there's other things. Anyway, so Willie Lincoln's dead. He's brought in there, and then basically the action all takes place over that evening, right? It's one day. There's a... Uh, Abraham Lincoln then returns to the cemetery to hang out with his dead to son. To see his son. Mm-hmm. Like, take him out of the box and, like, hold him, which is a weird thing to do. But, you and know, whatever. You're the when you take it out of the packaging, it loses value instantly. So oh, you don't man. want to do and that. that kid, <laughs> kid lost half of his value. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to, once you drive it off the lot. <laughs> uh, according to George Saunders, uh, apparently this, this may have really happened. Like, Lincoln really did go to see his, his dead son's corpse in, you know, the night before the funeral or the night of or something like Things that. Things were just different And then. according to, also, Wikipedia... George Saunders, he heard about this event, you know, at the Georgetown Cemetery. He heard about it, and it was like, that could be an idea for a book, but it would be so fucking weird, so he literally didn't 
bother to try and write it for 20 years. And then after 20, 20? years, yeah, 20 years, according, wow. to, according to the Wikipedia page. Okay. After 20 years, he was like, I'm not getting any younger. That is literally the, almost a direct quote. I, I'm getting old now. Maybe I ought to just try that thing. And so he did, and it turned into this book. He wanted to wait for the booker to be available to Americans. He must have waited for that. Actually, no, he started it. He started writing it in like 2010, so long before it was available. It just worked out that way. He had to plow through all of those fucking random Civil War journals to find one pull quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he just made up the rest, so. I, I, I feel like it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I don't know if it's 50-50, 70-30, I don't know what the proportion is, is but I bet, is I bet a lot of them are real. Know. I bet a lot are real. Because most of them are not actually that well, there was a, there's all those on ones where it's like, kind of like he would do one line like the moon hung in the sky and was a crescent moon, and the next line is like the moon hung in the sky it was a full moon. It's like there, there was, was no, no moon. moon. Yeah. It was like four or five things. It was clearly like all different. Like, okay, well, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about that. What was the point of that? There was several instances of that where he's going to the historic and sources. The ambiguity of history. And the people have clearly different recollections of what happened. So, so the one about uh, Lincoln's eye color. Yeah, he's gray, blue, green, blue, brown. And then yeah. he was either he ugly was or the handsome. I mean, he was so nice looking. But he was such an ugly fucker. That I made me think of like anything you've read from the 1800s. There was like, and his handsome countenance beamed upon me. And like, they just say that for every person. Like, yeah, like Frankenstein. You read that book, and there's like, and then he, his brow so noble and high. Like everybody's <laughs> face is amazing because they like they have a receding hairline or something. Yeah, you know? I, I feel the like that dance. was like a weird thing. A lot of that, and he kind of used that to his advantage, perhaps to like play on our expectations or understandings of what. So I, do, I do remember is. hearing that Lincoln was not. He was an uggo. When did you see him? He was a, he's an awkward looking dude. He once was uh, one of Lincoln's has a lot of quotes that probably like Mark Twain are not all his, but one famous one is mm-hmm. that someone called him Two Face because he like and he said if I had two faces would I wear this one, <laughs> which is pretty yeah. funny if mm-hmm. that's true. He has an ugly kid sense of humor. Well, you got to get in front of it, <laughs> you know. If you if you take, if you take ownership of that, oh, you know it's you know it's not dead. This beer. Want to try this? It's here. That's right. That's a good enough reason for me in the beer though. And uh, you brought it, Jimmy. This is? Toast. I don't remember that toast passage in the book. It's because they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> they're oh, toast. He's, he's fucking toast, dude. Which I never, I really don't understand that expression now you think about it. Well, toast is like burnt or whatever, right? Like it's done. Do they have to be killed by well, fire? Well, like bread becomes toast, and then the, once it's toast, it's done. That's how I was kind of understood. I guess. It's maybe it's, I it's, think it's one of those weird 1920s or 1930s expressions. Like the bee's knees? <laughs> that it doesn't make like, any uh, literal sense at all. Like licked? Like somebody they licked him. Like, oh, that's a, that's disgusting. <laughs> My grandpa used to say that shit all the time. Team like, yeah, they, they licked that other team. Like, that's a weird. I don't know what game you were watching. And we all banded together and we licked Jerry in the trenches. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> in his trenches. Well, this is it a was like cat's pajamas. Uh, what? This is an India pale ale brewed with bread. Uh, so it's, it like prison, it's like prison wine. It's prison wine. <laughs> One third of all bread in the U.S. is wasted. I could attest, I think more than it is wasted Yeah, I'd in my say house. That's, a, that's a drastically low fraction. It's like every three weeks we find a loaf of bread that's entirely moldy and disgusting, and we throw it right out. And it's, we ate none of it. It's brewed using it, unsold loaves from bakeries with a slice of fresh surplus bread in each can. A slice of fresh what? Fresh surplus bread. I don't think there's... Uh, it's not literally... <laughs> I want to open the can. I, 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 there, 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 there aren't there to be croutons for this. <laughs> there are not crumbs well, It wouldn't be croutons because they'd be soft from all the beer. This is not the first time I've actually heard of this idea, actually. I went to Delaware a couple years ago, maybe two two or three, and Dogfish Head had a beer called like Waste Not, and it was made exclusively with surplus shit from their brew pub restaurant. Okay. And the yeast hmm. came from bread, of course. Or, or, or did they like use the, the wheat... Essentially, did they just grind the bread down and that's what the yeast you ate? You can't 
Well, the could yeast, you do that? Where you are you going to reuse the yeast? Can you? Of course, what? if it's still alive. But well, wouldn't it be dead? The bread, isn't once it you dead? break the bread, um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they just used unused shit. But they had to get the yeast no. from somewhere. Or maybe they got the yeast then from. Oh, this um, is that other one. There's the yeah. Maybe one. they got the yeast from like fruit. But I thought in like prison, people make wine in their toilet and yeah. they use the bread to get the uh, yeast. I mean, it's, I guess it's possible. I never thought about it. But just at the end of this thing, it was where just did funny. they get the grapes? I think they just take they like the juice. juice box shit that they yeah. get. Yeah, it's just rotten juice. Toast is the best thing that since. It's the most disgusting well, you know. thing I've ever heard. Slavery. It's, well, they don't <laughs> use the toilet. They leave that toilet unused so it can you know, grow the wine. Yeah, but it had to have been used at some point. You flush it a whole lot of time you beforehand. You get a very earthy flavor out of that wine. <laughs> that, that, pri- that prison wine? I think it's called Pruno. That's one of the names for prison wine. That makes sense, yeah. Which sounds very fancy. Pruno Grigio. <laughs> uh, so let's try Dom this. Dom Poupignon. <laughs> Shit Roz <laughs> I can't think of one from Merlot it's like, Merlot <laughs> <laughs> This tastes like beer Yeah, it's fine I it's really want to know if there's a piece of bread in there though <laughs> well, you, can't see, you can't see The hole is far too small to put a piece of bread in Let me see It's a very small piece of bread I, I don't It's feel, like a taquito I, don't feel any I, I think they just mean <laughs> As a metaphorical oh, slice of I think bread. we yes. all know what they mean Yeah, but you gotta be sure You're right, you can't see a damn thing in there What am I? You don't have to put your. You're gonna cut your finger. Don't do it. You, I lived. You want to touch the bread? Sabing non plop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that works. Champagneal. That's a different thing entirely. <laughs> Champagneful poops. That's uh, no. No one likes those. Do we say pusecco? <laughs> <laughs> we did not, but now we did. <laughs> this I, I gotta say, this doesn't taste like an IPA to me. I don't get it. Really, it just it. tastes like a beer, like a like a basic pale ale, amber kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just not maybe because we had that super heavy duty IPA. I mean, yeah, but I, I don't like IPAs, and this does not taste like one to me at all. It doesn't even look like one. No, it's really. darker. It's very dark, which I'm okay with. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's nothing fine. special, but I it's good. Pinot Noir. Yeah, Pinot Noir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of that one. Gesquartstraminer. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that the is. Dessert beer is a dessert beer. Dessert beer? Dessert wine, excuse me. Oh, so I don't I don't know it's know like a German dessert wine. Gewürztraminer. Lemon smellow. <laughs> That's <laughs> that is not a wine. It's lemon wine. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's like a neutral spirit with lemon. It's like essentially it's, a vodka. It's a sugar lysol the drink. It's pretty gross. Lemon jello, yeah. I can dig it. All right, so this is kind of they're toast. They are dead. They're they they dead. don't know it. Until pretty damn near the end of the book. Yeah. Because if you but figure it out. That's like the key. You, you, you have, I think the point is you kind of have to figure out that you're dead. But there's a scene that I still don't understand. When they are visited by the, they call them angels, but like apparitions, these things that come and try to talk them into leaving. Yeah. So what did you guys make? Well, what do you guys make? Maybe someone else explain it. So, yeah, I feel like uh, it's weird. All right. Well, let's let's just we have to back up a little bit. So Lincoln goes to uh, goes and visits. You know, yeah, goes Willie, um, and he like holds him and he's like, "Oh my God, I'm so incredibly sad." But then what's weird is the other ghosts can like sit inside the live person and like hear what they're thinking. Yeah. And so, and, 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 and an infinite number of ghosts could squeeze in there. Yeah, because you know, mm, no clipping. <laughs> 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 so uh, anyway. So they hear Lincoln say, well, all these things, first of all, about just like himself and even in his thoughts, he apparently has very well composed sentences. But anyway, he says he wishes Willie was in a, a happier place, a, a place without pain, something like that. 
and the ghosts kind of understand, oh, wait, we need to get him to leave. We need the boy, we need to get him to leave. They did say the moment the kid's there, they're like, children don't tarry here. The young mm-hmm. don't stay here for long. And the kid stays longer than two minutes, and like, this is too long. So this kind of focuses yeah. that thought, that like mm-hmm. feeling that they already had. And then when they hear Lincoln think it, they're like, uh, yeah, that's what we got to work on. And then the ghosts are like, well, what about that time when we, like, that couple was walking in the graveyard and we convinced them they were going to fight and break up. They were fighting and they were going to break off their uh, engagement, but we convinced them not to. They, like, both entered their bodies and changed their minds. Mm-hmm. They got horny as shit. Got them to bang each other in the graveyard. Yep. So they make them bang in the cemetery, but in, like, 1849. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's some serious lust. I mean, just from our mm-hmm. understanding, like these are like pretty prim people, though. Of course, obviously, people I fucked. I feel like that was. Well, we have a different view of the way things really were. People probably still banged a lot. There was tons of fucking. Yeah, but for them to, f- I mean, it just take the, off her eleven petticoats. Yeah, exactly. That's the logistics <laughs> of it. The cemetery, Must have been yeah. tough. <laughs> He's like, oh, I tripped over my knickerbockers. Those are short pants. I don't know what the fuck they are. They're like they're like capris, just under the knee. Oh yeah, when I took off my second pair of long stockings, <laughs> my manhood unfurled and. <laughs> Anyway, so unfurled manhood is a good name for a band or a beer. Ooh. <laughs> it's like a flag. You raise the flagpole. Fapping in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> when Lincoln is in the mausoleum, he takes the son like out of the coffin and he cradles him. Mm-hmm. And they're like, This is a thing that's never happened. Sometimes people come to visit, but they never touch us again. And then the and then he, he says to the boy, Lincoln says to Willie, like, I'll be back. And that's why Willie doesn't leave. And mm. so the ghosts are like, to get the boy to leave, we need to get that guy to come back, and then he'll feel like he's done and he can move along. Mm. That's the thing that must be it happens. And then there's also, but all all this is sort of happening as like plot and a very weird plot. But then there are lots of other little scenes of other very random characters. There's a, there's a lot of asides of lot, weird ghosts. Weird ghosts, like there's the ones the, that like swear every the three alcoholic words. couple. Yeah, the barons or something. And they were both they were both alcoholics and they curse all the time and they were run over by a cart because they were laying in the street drunk. And there's also asides from like a former slave, from more than one former slave actually. Well, they have a they have a there's black, a black mass grave nearby, mm. but the other it. people don't like talking to those ghosts. Which is <laughs> where the poor white people are buried. Yes, the drugs yeah, were, the mass grave. were buried with them. And they, it, what's interesting, they curse every two words, but it's, it's, it's blanked, blanked out. out for them, but not yeah. other curses throughout the book, which is a strange choice. I'm not mm. sure what the, yeah. what the point of that is, because they do say fucking shit and other points and goddamn and all that stuff, but for them it's like, you tell your F dash 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 ing wife to dash, you know, everything. It was odd. It looks like a Hemingway book, you know, like how all the cursors were blanked out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they're they the only ones that, hey, they're, they're fine people. That guy's buried right next to me. We're cool. <laughs> He's like right next to my head. Like that's a line from the book. Or whatever they believe. Because they don't know they're dead, so they, they, they rationalize things in an odd way. Because they don't want to believe it. That's ultimately yeah. what it they're is, right? Mass sick box. Yeah. Or they're waiting and there was like the military guy, like the colonel or whatever he was, a lieutenant, I forget what his title was. Oh, the lieutenant who was very uppity. And he kept saying shard. He kept yelling shard, yeah. Well, a lot of them, a lot of them, like, they were not losing their minds, but they were like disconnecting from reality so far that they were just speaking gibberish. Right, some of them. They'd been there so long or they were just so messed up that they were just talking shit. And everyone's like, okay, man. Like the, the crazy old lady who had been like a 
who had saved all her money and then died, and she, she was collecting like the dead insects. She was counting everything. Yeah, she's like, I have eleven dead robins, <laughs> <laughs> and they were four hundred and twelve like, moats. Sometimes when they, when they were writing these people's words, they weren't they weren't even words. They were like horrible misspellings and just fragments of words. Like I guess I understand kind of the point. Some of it's not punctuated at all. Yeah, it's just a stream of Scrabble words. You also notice well, uh, occasionally it was like actually not one of the ghosts did that. The uh, the graveyard attendant dude, like like watchman, that was, that was he just his log. Yeah, he just r- entirely it's like a whole page that had no periods it was just one sent one mm. giant run on sentence but some of the some of the ghosts would speak almost it looked like a poem like they'd have a line with no pe- period you know i am here new line it is strange in this new place new line like not also, the, filling the page the weird thing that threw me at the beginning and you know throughout the whole book was <laughs> it would say like a bunch of stuff that someone said and then like their name as though it was a citation and you figure oh that's who's talking but it's not always who's talking it's like it, a whole it, paragraph where three people talk, and then it's a guy's name. Well, and it's it's kind of I fi- I figured in my head it was like if you're making a movie, it'd be like from this guy's perspective, like looking from him. S- maybe, sometimes but, they're talking and then like blah 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 said Hans. Yeah, blah, blah, he said I stood here, and then you'll see it oh, would, the it would preacher be, it would said be I sometimes, but sometimes it would be a bunch of people talking, and none of them are the person that says afterwards. I kind of maybe I was a lazy reader. I didn't pay that much attention to them. Like you could tell after a while when it's a new voice. After a while, you 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 kind of tune it out. But at first, I was just trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was it wasn't always who was actually talking. Also, I noticed the ghosts; their names weren't capitalized. At least not in my. They're uh, very yeah, informal. No, mine either. But all the formal punctu- uh, formal citations were punctuate uh, <laughs> capitalized and whatever. Well, but they don't use Chicago in uh, the afterlife. They're they're all they're straight Turabian. <laughs> but they. they that was weird how their names weren't capitalized. I, I, I don't really understand what was being accomplished there, just maybe to make it look different on the page than the citations. It was, it was just like a formatting thing. It's experimental. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's magic. It's just another way it's experimental. He also wrote know. opposite like 4,000 times for the citations to not write the citation. Yeah, was like opposite. previously? Yeah, whatever. Like the same author's name, if you've already cited the same book by them and you haven't cited a new thing by them, you just put opposite okay. instead of typing the whole bullshit out. Yeah. You do that. Only in history classes in college, and then never again in your life. Because you don't bother ever again in life. All right, let's... <laughs> now, we did have this one before. We did. We did for... Ready what? Player yes. One. Yeah. Okay. It's a long time ago. This is The Calling from um, Boulevard. Boulevard. Yeah. I think this is a double IPA. Is that what this is? Uh, IPA. Double IPA. It smells pretty light. Citrusy. 8.5%. 75. Ibus. Ibus. <laughs> so what do you guys think of this? It's good. Yeah. Perfectly like fine. It. It's not super bitter either. It, it does not taste like eight and a half percent. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Like that ten percent one. That didn't one also, it didn't taste that strong either. But it, you, you knew it was you heavier. You could feel it. You could feel it. This is a lighter thing. A little dangerous. Yeah. Light, lighter in kind of. This is respect. this is much more able to. If you drank a whole one of these, you would never know. I agree. Like I, that one, you'd feel like you had. Like I need to take a break. This one is just like this is effortless. Mm-hmm. Nate. Yeah, I like it. I liked it before. I like it again. It, it calls I'm to me. I'm surprised you can fucking remember. Why did we? It's we're like beer savants. Right? It's it's weird. we weren't doing nearly as many beers per episode. I mean, just in terms then, of so. time. Like I had a beer once. Like oh, because I've 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 purchased it since. Then. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, the calling that was good. So okay. I've had it since then as well. It's strange. I usually can remember if we've already had it before or something, but I'll not be able to remember if you just texted me that you bought it. Thing. <laughs> so I was trying to get to it before. Uh, this one passage that it, that really confuses me for the whole book, honestly. The part, it's about halfway through the book, I want to say about 42% because I read it on my Kindle, where they go and they talk to the boy and after Lincoln leaves and then they're like, oh shit, it's happening. 
everybody hides, everybody plugs their ears, and a whole bunch of angels or creatures, like they call them different things, appear, and they try to talk to the ghosts and persuade them to leave. And they take the form of whatever would be most appropriate for that person. So there's like the one woman who died and she had three daughters and then the three like three ghosts look like three her three daughters and they're like you you're, and they always say the same thing like you were waves cra- a wave crashing upon the beach you like they, that's one of the lines and they say this other couple things and then they kind of say more shit about their life like they're yeah, i think the wave crossing the beach is that's a i feel like i've heard that shit before maybe it's a buddhist thing i don't know but it's about a cohen it's like impermanence it's like this is just a temporary thing you're a wave on the beach you're going back into the ocean that's it's just is interesting. it's just a temporary this is just a moment. That's actually really I, interesting. I think that's what it is. Or well, maybe I'm being really poetic for once in my life. No, I, I agree. I mean, I kind of interpret it. In, it sounds nice. It, it does sound very I nice. I interpreted it similarly. I didn't make the Buddhist connection, but I just assumed it was like, this is a thing that's done. Yeah. And now the next thing's happening. Yeah. So to take it very Buddhist is like, well, then you go back out to sea and then you crash again in a new life form, right? It's a new wave or something. Whereas a, a Christian symbol a christian ideology will give you a slightly different interpretation but the same effect right like yeah that, this that, is, this that is phase a, is done your is actual life on earth is very brief and momentary right and you're part of this bigger thing and like you're not actually going to care about that right who cares about one wave so these ghost things would come and they call them angels at points. i think japan cares about one wave also india did in around or circa 2011 they got fukushima up <laughs> it fukued their shima up um it's true but not nearly as bad as when gojira did he tore that, that happened shit happened like up. every two years, though. They're used to that now. That's why the Japanese economy is very strong. They're constantly hiring builders like, and yeah, contractors. There's an enormous contracting <laughs> industry. Uh, to build a new skyscraper every two years and then build it again. And a giant key for a moth to nest in. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I get what you're saying. I agree. I interpret it similarly. But the thing I don't necessarily understand is where the characters are convinced that they're like demons, that they're there to torment them. And they and every time somebody goes and they're always like, Who left? Let's see who's not here anymore. And they think it's a they're going somewhere bad. Well, now, they don't know that they're dead. Right, but I mean, even later in the like when we know that later in the book, the thing that I can't rectify is that some people have had these visions of going to hell and being or something like a, that and being tortured. And then we also meet other characters who are in hell and they say, This isn't the worst hell. Like the guy from Vermont who just liked touching kids, who just like, hey, I didn't want to touch the kids. God made me touch the kids, but here I am. Right? That comes very later in the book. Yeah. And then there's these things that come, and you kind of get the impression that they're like angels or messengers or something from God or whoever. And they're like, "Come with us. This is this is over now. Like you, you don't need to be here anymore." And they're like, "I don't want to go with you." So you have like these two differing things. You have the torment that some characters are referring to, and these other things are talking you into going somewhere. Maybe it's you know good cop bad cop. I suppose. I mean, they're in the end, they're just trying to get them out. The Lord works in mysterious police procedural ways. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's supernatural shit. I mean, anything's fucked. And especially this is all. He just pulled us out of his ass. Of course. And he's on a fever dream acid trip. And he just said, okay, cool. I don't know. I mean, I mean, some of them are you know, clearly going to a bad place. Some of them are going to a good place. So maybe they have to sweet talk the ones going to the bad place. Could be. But it's never actually clear. Like, some people did bad things and some people yeah. didn't do bad no, things. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's never explained why the preacher is going to hell. Or the black people, like the former slaves, and they talk about the one woman who can't even speak because she was just raped so many times. Oh, yeah. Mm. I forgot what her name was. Lizzie? Elizabeth? Something? Something. She, was a, she had like four lines. Yeah, she really doesn't there speak. There were so many side characters. But like, their, their part about her is like, you're reading it. It's like, they did this to her. They did things to her, and they did whatever they want. It's like, I think they're talking about rape. And then like four sentences later, like, and they anally fucked her. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. They yeah. were. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, I do remember that. That was abrupt. And like the the proprietor's sons and three men who were bored and this and that's like, oh Jesus, dear God, this is awful. Largely, the book is kind of comedic, like kind of just kind of amusing and and funny. Yeah, not those parts though. Yeah, they would occasionally Moments get into something very serious. Weirdness. Just like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I had the impression that this was a comedy. I don't. I mean, it was, it was definitely goofy. It had comedic relief. It had. It, it was maybe it was like a. It's not absurdist, but like a highbrow comedy. Or it's not slapstick, but it kind of mm-hmm. is because the guy has got bit. an enormous dick flopping in the wind. <laughs> yeah, and the whole the whole first chapter uh, was about the guy talking about pooping in his box. Yeah, and oh, and stuff I with his hard little, poop box. I left a little poop in there. <laughs> it's it's still term. there. <laughs> like he used the word poop. Yeah, it's like what the fuck am I reading? I think when it's it was weird. when it first won the Booker, because most things that win the Booker are not bestsellers before they win. They're probably it's old. like what the the Spirit Awards or something, where it's like the best independent film. Well, I mean, this is probably the most uh, outside of the Nobel Prize in literature, which is like a million bucks you win, I guess. This this is the biggest uh, cash prize, I think. Those are cash prize for it's like fifty grand or something like that. Oh, that's a pretty good deal for a single book. So it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and and also, that. you're probably going to sell a whole bunch more copies well, after you win, yeah. even to be shortlisted. Well, that's that's the big that's a, that's the main reason why publishers submit the book, not the author, because yeah. the publisher can then put a sticker on the cover, longlisted for the booker, shortlisted for the booker, and then you go to Barnes and Noble or Borders or wherever you buy books or you know whatever, and then you'll see, oh look, there's a table, booker winners, booker shortlist books, you know, and then and most people are like, yeah, these are all books, <laughs> Booker T from WCW, I <laughs> think <laughs> they. they People are gonna. But where are the MGs? <laughs> where are the green onions? The green onions, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they have this. Uh, it's, a, it's a big promotional thing. Like a couple years ago, like the longest book that ever won the Booker is the Luminaries by Eleanor Catton or something like that. Name I started that. Yeah, I looked at it. And I was like, nah, I bad. probably got it in. I probably read a normal book length into it and then didn't keep reading because I was only twenty percent through. It's, it's about eight hundred long. It's about eight hundred and thirty pages, something like eight twenty-three or something like that. Not like of, of not eight hundred Harry Potter pages. I, mean, I, don't, I don't. I don't remember it that closely, but it was not super dense, but at least kind of dense. It would take eight hundred pages. A lot of time to read. I think that one had like a strange like mystery story, but also like a zodiac thing to it. I didn't actually read it either. It takes place in New Zealand. Well, she's from New Zealand. She's only. It's, it's like, but it's uh. They can read. It's like mid eighteen hundreds New Zealand. It's like the settling of New yeah, Zealand kind of thing. Kind of yeah. Okay. It felt like like San Francisco, like 1849, San Francisco, oh, like that kind of thing. Gold, of like front, frontier towns. Yeah, exactly. It was that. It had that feel. But it wasn't San Francisco. It was New Zealand. That's what they call rice aroni on the other side of the world. This is the New Zealand treat. Rice aroni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're usually like, uh, that book sold like eight copies. Then it won the Booker and sold thousands of more copies. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. going to be a John Grisham seller because it's an 800-pound you know, book. But... You know, it does help the book industry for people who are looking for something. It's, like the, it's a good filter. It's like the New York Times bestseller sticker, but classier. But that's on every fucking book ever. Like, every book says, New York Times bestseller. That just means they made the list one day yeah. or one week. Mm-hmm. And actually, the New York Times tailors that. Like, sometimes things sell a lot of copies, and they're like, yeah, we don't like that book. We're just not going to put it on the list, which is kind of... Interesting. It tells you that there's like so a Kardashian books never make it. Well, it tells you that there's like some element of filtering there that it's not just yeah. about it's not just what about is popular. Quantity. No, yeah. So anyway, the Booker definitely helps books sell more copies. I'm sure Lincoln and the Bardo, a book about Lincoln talking to ghosts in a cemetery, was not going to fly off the shelves until when it I was read the premise. It was like winner. this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of, and I read it, and it was this is the weirdest thing I've ever read. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. As I read, I was reading it. Um, my, I mean, I read it in a, basically a day um, because I had yeah, to it's, hurry. Qu- it's quick. 
It is. Uh, I was explaining to my wife, I was like, I think you'd actually like this book. And she's like, what's it about? I was like, hmm. Uh, <laughs> Good question. <laughs> How do I say this in a way that doesn't ruin it's it for you? It and with a giant dick, and it goes with a thousand eyes inhabiting President Lincoln's body to talk to his son. It's like, <laughs> I'm not going to read that. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a strange thing. I don't know, though, if the, back to the thing about the, the spirits, sweet talk and the dead, are they taking them somewhere better? Because that's what they kind of... They're not all going somewhere better, but I think they're, the, the goal is they have to leave this place. You can't hang out at the bus stop forever. Got to get on the bus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's a temporary place. Yeah, people have to leave eventually. Those, those guys have been there for like, what, like 40, 50 years? And it's like, dude, come on. But there's also the thing of the girl who's like in the shell. Right, she's in the like the train wreck. Well, she like trapped in the fence. Yeah, yeah. That the younger and they like they all had abandoned her, and because she was a bummer. But the demons came and they like formed a shell around her, and she just gets tortured there, like they brought hell to her. It's fun, you know. And they start doing that to Willie Lincoln, and then you meet those characters, and they're like, "Hey, he." They're like, well, "Why are you doing that to the kid? He didn't do anything." They're like, "Hey, I didn't do anything either. Sure, I touched boys. I didn't want. I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask to want to do boys, and I fought mightily against it." Well. Not mightily, but I fought against it sometimes, <laughs> is what he says. And then another woman's like, hey, I, uh, I killed a baby, but, you know, I thought that was a good idea. And they were like... It seemed like the right thing to do at the time. Because well, it, yeah, yeah. it was messing with her and her husband. They were like, Let's, we, would, we love each other so much, this baby's getting in the fucking way. Yeah. <laughs> we can't go out to eat and I court. mean, like the people that went to hell become the torturers themselves. Yeah. It's like a, a, a hell Ponzi scheme kind of thing. So, yeah, it is. Pyramid scheme. Pyramid scheme. Yeah. Aren't they kind of the same idea? Ponzi is when you use money from the last person to pay off the new person. Right, or the other way around. Recru- yeah, you have to constantly recruit. So then what's people. a pyramid scheme? Pyramid scheme is where you have to recruit members and they then work for you and you get the money from them. You get uh, Yeah, you get a percentage. But like, so like you, it's usually people who like Amway or shit like that where they yeah. sell garbage. Or, you know. Pyramid scheme is like memberships usually and you get money from, your, from how big a team you have. Ponzi schemes are like musical chairs with money. Like, you don't have any money, got to pay this person yeah. back, I got to get money from another one else, and then move it to them, and then it's like, uh True, yeah. We have one more beer, so let's drink the beer and talk about how the book ends, because I don't understand any of it. I understood everything until the last chapter. I, I, I mean, I, underst- I understand what happens, but it's just like, this is the weirdest thing. I mean, yeah. Nate, you brought this? This is called Soul Made, and it's from Evil Twin, and it, it is a 7% alcohol soul beer. I don't know what kind of beer it is. Does it say Probably. soul beer? No. I hope so. Just, I was just saying that, because does it say IPA beer. on there? It says IPA at the bottom. I'm sure it's it IPA. It does. I say, say IPA. Yeah. yeah, I think your finger was over it. Very piney. Yeah. It's the taste it tastes kind of like Christmas tree. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it. not, it's not bad. It is weird, though. It is definitely a kind of strange IPA. Is there a little story on the can? Sometimes it's... Usually they're not very helpful for Evil Twin. No. Nope. where your thumb is. Nothing. Anything. Nothing. Maybe your Just finger's the, over it. No, I've got very small fingers. He does. We can see them. Much smaller than the president's fingers. Much smaller. No, I don't. No, no not by much. He could fit both of his hands inside one of my tiny hands. <laughs> He's got the hand from that guy from Scary Movie 2. But those hands are stronger. He's my strong hand. Nate has never seen that movie clearly. No. He had a. Deformed. He had one. I can guess baby. what happened. Baby. Yes. It's a baby's hand. And there's a scene where he has to save someone who's falling and he's holding out that hand. And like, can you please put your other hand out? <laughs> I don't want to touch it's it. So cre- he's so creepy. And then he's like, take my little hand. It's stronger. <laughs> and like, I'd rather not. <laughs> and he, just, he stuffs the turkey with the stuffing with it. Oh, it's, it's a great classic film. It's a classic film. The Casablanca of our times. It's true. So, uh, okay. They, they're like, all right, we have to go convince Lincoln to come back. And then they kind of get Lincoln to come back. 
Well, they remind him that he still has the lock in his pocket. So right. He's got to go back and say, oh, shit, I fucked up. Got to bring the lock back. Don't want people taking that go, dead kid. Better go like hang out with my dead son for a minute again. Yep. Uh-huh. And it's like the middle of the night. Yeah, he's never left. And, and the night watchman's like in his log. We meet, you know, he's like, oh, Lincoln's there. I should have offered my, my, uh, my lantern. And then he comes back later. And he's like, hey, I found him and I offered him my lantern. And he's like, yeah, I don't need your lantern. Like Lincoln's just hanging out at night. He can see in the dark. It's true. That's how he guided us to the Civil War. Yeah. The darkest time in America's history. And then he w- goes to the chapel to pray, presumably. And that's where the ghosts find him. Well, I mean, he goes to return the lock, and then they can't persuade him, and then they find him in the chapel. And they sit inside of him, and they say, check out your pocket. And he's like, oh, man, I have a lock. Better go. And yeah. then he goes. And that's when that's when he starts. the ghost starts running, and he has to hold his dick in his hand so he doesn't trip on it. <laughs> Literal <laughs> words from the book. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then uh, there's some like... And this won the booker. (laughs) Yes, it did. And then there's some sort of like... I forget exactly what happens, but Willie realizes... Oh, oh, they all know how. Doesn't he sit inside his dad? To try to talk to him like one more time. Mm -hmm. Because the dad goes back to the tomb and he takes him out again. And he thinks like, my son is dead. Yeah. And the kid's like, one of my brothers is dead. No. (laughs) (laughs) You got a daddy named Forrest too? (laughs) Oh, I'm dead. Oh. Oh, that makes sense. Cool. See you later, dad. And then he does the whatever the leaving thing, which is referred to as the, oh, the matter, matter light, light blooming? blooming phenomenon, but yet never explode. described really what that is. There's a big sound. It's like a light explosion. It's, it's kind and of like, like an explosion. They talk about it like it knocks them on their asses. It's like a rapture kind of yeah. thing because your clothes yeah. are left behind. And if you have clothes. Uh, and then as soon as he says it and like all the ghosts are there like listening, a few of them immediately, because that's what you do, you realize you're dead and then you can leave. Other ghosts, other ghosts immediately just start exploding. <laughs> just like, oh, Fuck. really? What? Like and then they just, ghost chain reaction. Yeah. But other ones know that they're going to be, if they like think too long, they're going to end up there. So they're like, Fuck, got to go. Leave. And then the silliest thing in the book, there's like a bottleneck at the door. They can't get out right away. It's like, you're fucking ghosts. Even though there's no clipping, they still couldn't get through the door. <laughs> they start to they start to slowly realize, and they start to become more human again. Yeah, they like all return his them. dick turns into a normal size, and he has clothes <laughs> on. And the other guy loses most of his hundreds of eyes. And in just his has the defense, two. it never says his dick shrinks. It just he says he's wrapped around his leg in the pants. He uses it as a as a tripod. <laughs> he leans on. He it. loves to lean. <laughs> so they yeah they all realize, and they kind of go back, and like the two dudes who were fused together in like the weird. Siamese twin yeah. thing. They, they split like, apart. They just like spent all eternity jacking each other off. And verbally, not, I mean, they don't say not physically, but verbally. I mean, this is a book with a guy running around with a boner that has to be carried. And, they, and, and when everyone starts exploding, an orgy gets broken up. It's like, he no, was... the orgy, they just like pause and are like, the people having the orgy are like, like, he was wait, behind her what's, and, what's he was, over there? and he was, yeah. his finger was extended to her part and his mouth was on her part and the other part was on his part. <laughs> and then they just sort Kama of like, Sutra, and, they, and they just sort of stop and go like, huh, what's over there? Yeah. <laughs> and then one point like, we went over to the parentheses less and parentheses interesting thing <laughs> or exciting thing. <laughs> this is way less interesting. I was about to enter that man and that woman with my ghost dicks. It's a very close encounter. <laughs> so they have a, uh, all sorts of weird shit happening, and they all kind of realize, and like the woman who couldn't speak, she could speak again. It's like uh, the the woman, the person who was chased by his giant self, he's like normal. Everyone kind of reverts back to what they were. The priest, and his face goes the back priest, normal. The priest dies. The priest, preacher. The, pre- the preacher like sacrifices himself early on. Oh, when yeah, the kid, yeah, the yeah. kid is getting bundled up by the demons, he jumps in with him, and then he he's explodes a, himself so, so that they can get the kid out. So he like sacrifices himself and goes to hell. <laughs> right. It's like it's a bummer. Yeah, but the uh, yeah the the demon things they're like, hey, it's a living. This is what we got to do. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to got to torture that kid now. 
do you want to be in the house or on the roof? <laughs> That's an option they give him. <laughs> we could do it. In, uh, can we do it on the roof? Sure. You carry him up there. I'll be an honor. And then he runs with the kid. And I, oh, fuck, I got to work. And it's a, so at the end, all the ghosts basically discorporate, or whatever the word is, they go to wherever they're going. They matter like bloom. Mm-hmm. And then Lincoln's like, except for one. One is still in one. So there's a couple of slave ghosts. Mm-hmm. The one who's like very educated. Yeah. Um, so I can't remember any of their fucking names. And, and he sort of like inhabits Lincoln as he's leaving. Yeah. And, he and he's like, help us. Help us, Mr. Lincoln, trying to send those vibes his way. And then there's another slave, former slave ghost. I, I assume he's a slave. Uh, or at least black person in 1862 ghost. Odds are. <laughs> and he, yeah. in Washington, D.C. cemetery, he uh, stands in Lincoln's way. And he's like, I'm going to hitch a ride. And he just gets on there, and Lincoln's on his horse, and he, like, stretches out to fill into Lincoln's body. So he's just holding on, and he's mm-hmm. understanding what's happening. And there is there are a few passages throughout the book where they talk about the Civil War. And this is, I guess, relatively early in the war, where yes, the, death, the death toll is really low, but it's still shockingly high. Right? They keep talking about the 3,000 dead men. Now, Mr. Lincoln, look at the sons and fathers and brothers and husbands, and you tell them you're not a piece of shit. Right? There's, like, a whole chapter of those lines. Mm-hmm. And then there's another... Sort of when the ghosts are listening to Lincoln, Lincoln's sort of inner monologue, and he's thinking to himself, do I, how can I, you know, I can't go on, how can I possibly keep doing this, but do I completely reverse everything I've done, do I, you know, not bother, do I become the laughing stock of history and, and so and then he sort of resolves to you know keep fighting the war well and there are people who and, and they're taking quotes some probably fake some probably real from this time they're like mr lincoln's gonna go down as the worst president we've ever had which is funny to us now because he's typically considered one of the best we've ever had looking better every day and he um in 1862 like battles in battles there'd be like seven thousand dead and, and a bunch more also wounded and missing and captured and stuff like that and those numbers were like so shockingly high for the time they were going to get so much worse. Well, so much worse. The Civil War is the first modern war. I think that's a fair thing to say. Mechanized or something. It's well, okay. Some people say World War Two World War One, excuse me. But the Civil War is the first one that uses industrialization as part of the war. The railroads are an integral part yeah, of the railroads, war. Railroads, telegraphs, where the amount of manufacturing your country could provide was a key part of winning the war. And it's also sure. the first war really where total war is part of the yep. mm-hmm. uh uh, strategy and where they had to literally this the north under general uh sherman sherman Sherman, they had in sheridan they would like were literally burning farms and burning cities and just like literally destroying just like going after the people the civilians because they were the support for the army so you have to go after the civilians and those kind of well i mean i'm sure other people have thought of that before but this was one of the first wars where that happened i mean it sounds like um when you put it that way it sounds like ancient time kind of warfare where they're like and then yeah. they salted the earth yeah. kind of it's, shit. I think Genghis Khan probably also had this thought in his time. And it he was, also raped every woman along the way. That's true. I mean, it was also... He was like, I must repopulate they, this place. <laughs> we killed all the guys. Let's make some more. <laughs> it was also... When they, when they do numbers of dead, they're clu- including both sides. That's true. They're both Americans at this point. So, yeah. So the, the, that's, a, that's a theme throughout the book, though, right? Like, you see the little snippets. And, you know, for those of us who are not keen Civil War historians, uh, we don't really know about this part of the war too well where it didn't look good for Lincoln. Because we know the ending, so you kind of assume it looked like that the whole way through. Because there was no, like, Hail Mary moment in the Civil War. You just They slowly kind of plotted along and, and slowly overtook the South. So seeing this, understanding that, I guess this lens of Lincoln's grief, and how that must have affected his decision-making and whatever is part of the historical fiction element of this book, which is slight, but there. But the part that is kind of 
weird is that this dead slave ghost inhabits Lincoln. He's like, I'm going to tell him to free the slaves. Because Lincoln said, like, Lincoln was not pro-freedom or emancipation and not necessarily pro-slavery either. He, he said, if it, you know, if freeing the slaves kept the union together, I would do it. If not freeing the slaves would keep the union together, I would do it. That was his main goal. Yeah. Whatever keeps the union together. And there's even one point where they're like, it, uh, one of the quotes, like, if a, hus- if a wife wants to leave her husband, should the army come in to preserve their union? <laughs> so that, that's a famous Lincoln quote, though, about that. Mm. If I could do it either way. But throughout the middle, in the middle of the war, he decides... No, I want to actually get rid of slavery, too. Now, is it because a ghost inhabited him? No, it's probably because uh, he realized... You don't know that it's not because a ghost I inhabited him. I think it's because he realized, longer term, this issue would not go away if you maintain slavery. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the big issue. I mean, the whole... I mean, the slavery issue could have actually happened much earlier if it weren't for, what was his name, Henry Clay, who was that... A uh, compromiser. Exactly. Like, he spent, like... He was in the Senate for, you know, decades, ran for president in three different decades, that guy. And tried to, um, I think three, yeah, tried to keep things like balanced. Like he was like the guy who like masterminded shit, like the was it the Kansas Nebraska Act and stuff like that. So it's like let's let's all chill. Everyone gets a state. Keep your slaves. Keep your not having slaves. We're all cool. And then at a certain point, he died, and then that happened. Can I just mention one? The funniest part in the book is when the slave is riding with Lincoln, and then he slips into the horse for a second, and he's like, "I never knew how good oats were." <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I oh, I have a strong affinity for a particular blue blanket. Yeah, it's like a, I don't remember that part at all. It's like the it's last, last chapter, very last chapter. Like, like, fucking oats are the best. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> and then he goes, "Oh, wait, 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 back into Lincoln." <laughs> that was the funniest part of the book. Well, that was the horse. They kept calling him like Little Jack. They kept alluding to how Lincoln was so tall, and Little Jack was a tiny horse, yeah. and his foot would like drag along the floor when he rode Lincoln him. Lincoln was our tallest president. He was 6'4". The idea of him like riding a little pony is hilarious. Uh, he's 6'4", and he was very lanky, like a very thin... Yeah, 6'4", four is, is not a short guy, but he's just a big man. But he's really thin. And this is, I mean, I have no data for what the average height was in 1862. It wasn't 6'4". But I mean, it's not 6'4 now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure well, right now it was it's, a couple inches shorter. Right now, now, average height for men is 5'10", something, something like that. So at the time, it was probably 5'8", or 5'7". And that was he average. Was a giant. He was a big, big guy, yeah. and he was tall and gangly. And I think like, some, you know, there's all these like medical professions, that, professionals that try to uh, yeah, like this weird elongated. He limbs. had like Marfan syndrome or whatever yeah. it's called, mm-hmm. which he had like a kind of overly long limbs. He was Slenderman. He was the Slenderman, yeah. And uh, uh, and then he would wear a foot tall fucking hat to just top it off. Yeah, that is a really big hat. <laughs> Ridiculous. If you go to the New York Historical Society in uh, New York New York City, you could stand by a life size statue of him and be humbled. <laughs> by the great emancipator. That's the book. End. That's how the book ends. He, yep. he rides mm-hmm. off with the spirit of the slave in him, which they never really explain. How did it leave the graveyard? Did it? Leave, did they leave the graveyard? I think so. He's like riding through the streets on the horse, talking oh. about oats. One and made then, it out. One made it out. Hole and oats. Sorry, oh, right. hole and oats. Hall and oats. Yeah. And he's like Lincoln. You make my dreams come true. <laughs> Lincoln. Private eyes are watching you. John Wilkes Booth's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> true. And that's how it ends. So is, is he like sort of implying that it's only because of these ghosts that Lincoln was like, "Fuck slavery. We got to stop that." It's kind I of mean, a crazy claim. I'm not sure I don't think he's, that's claiming, what he's claiming, but it's, oh, he's, he's not saying that this stuff happened. I hope. Yeah, it's if way he is too, saying it happens, it's a completely different book. It's the book is far too silly in most places and magical for him to be saying this is anything that really happened. There, there's no way. It's just sort of an interesting, I actually interesting weird story. It's a what if. I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was really good. I, I lo- just I loved it. That last part, I was like, is that. I don't want to say it cheapens what Lincoln, the historical figure, actually did. Like, you know, he only did that because a ghost went into him. But it was a weird thing at the very end. Yeah, but I, I understand it. I mean, how else do you end this book? I don't know. I also really liked it. I thought it was great. It was funny and amusing and silly. 
But then at times it would be very serious and moving too. It was probably one of the most creative things I've ever read. Let's in terms sense. of just sheer like, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, the first big chunk of it is you trying to figure out what the hell is happening. Yeah. So if you've listened this far and you haven't read it, you're going to miss that part of the book now. So if you've listened this far and still don't know what's happening, that's fine. That's normal. <laughs> it's, it's a, it, the book it, felt you, like you that, too. You get an impression of what's going on, but you're never 100% sure. I can only imagine having to read this in an academic setting where you have to like keep track of every fucking ghost and all their shit. And, <laughs> and all the their sources. S- symbolism and foreshadowing. What and does the dick the, mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's the weight of life. How hard slavery was. <laughs> he wasn't even a slave. <laughs> he was a, he was a guy with a child bride. He had a synectochode. <laughs> <laughs> so I liked it. Weird. I totally understand why it won the Booker because it is an experimental novel. Like, that's the big phrase I saw when, I, when you Google this. It's like, Lincoln and the Bardo is an experimental novel by George Which Saunders. isn't a phrase that I thought I'd ever really ever hear. There aren't too many other experimental novels you could think of besides like Ulysses or... Yeah. Um, I mean, there are things where they're told from like a, like a, what, a visit from the goon squad. Every chapter is from a perspective of a different character, and they mm-hmm. never repeat. That sort of thing happens in books. With, uh, that They Might Be Giant song, Birdhouse in Your Soul, it's from the perspective of a nightlight. Is that really what that's about? Yeah. That's, yeah. A good, that's a good song. I never <laughs> I, really thought about the words. I like that that's song. It's about the perspective of a nightlight. Well, that's about a good tie-up with your own piece. Lincoln might have been a giant. and uh, yeah. yeah. No, he definitely was a giant. Yeah, there's no question. When both you, when you look both at physically him, and historically. But when you look at pictures of him, like there are random shots of him like standing at a, a Civil War battlefield. And, and you see him just tower over everybody. It's like looking at Shaq standing next to human beings today. <laughs> he also wore that really tall hat. He was a dick about it. He rubbed it in. Though, there if was you a, were an ugly, gangly fucker, you'd work with what you got. Amazing. There was an, uh, he's not the tallest guy to run for president, though. Did Shaq run for president? There's um, <laughs> Shaq. <laughs> yeah. There's a, uh, what's his name? Another Civil War general guy who also was like a general in like the Mexican-American War with like 6'5". Oh, just beat him. Six five and a half, which is a which is, now you're getting into big territory. That's a large man. So with not Zachary Taylor? No, not Zachary Taylor. Uh, didn't win presidency. His his nickname was Old Fuss and Feathers. Oh, I can't yeah. remember. I should. That's I, a I terrible nickname for a general. Uh, well, you don't make up your own nickname. Because your soldiers he, do. he was like so he was so proper. Yeah. And, uh, but he fought for. He was like a general for like four decades, and then he was old and fucking filled with gout and fatness, and so he became called Old Fat and Feeble. Oh no! Wait, he was. He was so old. Winfield Scott was yes, his name. Yes. He was, and I didn't even look it up. And I he, knew it. So he fought. He was a general during the early parts of the Civil War. He was, but he was so fat by that time he couldn't even sit a horse. So he, like, you can't go out in the field you like know, that. You have trouble if you're too big for a horse. The horse is like, no, nah, man, nay, nay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, stop, stop it. When the horse says nay, you better go hoof something. it on your own. <laughs> so he was also really old. Yeah, old as shit. Winfield uh, Scott is an oldest. I think man. he ran against Buchanan. I want to say. Uh, he didn't run against Lincoln. Now I will look that up. He ran against, he ran against, against Adams. <laughs> no, he, ran, like, he, he either ran against, well, he ran against Pierce or Buchanan because he, he ran for president, I think, in the 1850s. So 52 is Pierce. Uh, 56 is Buchanan. Mexican-American Definitely War, Buchanan. his stature. 1852, the Whig Party passed over its incumbent president, Millard Fillmore, to nominate Scott. As he ran against Pierce. 52, yeah. And the guy from New Hampshire beat him. And then turned out to be an incredibly ineffective president. But, you know. Well, the state that doesn't believe in government, what do you expect? Well, you know, they, <laughs> they, true. they never fully identify if the child toucher is from Vermont. They just say he has a Vermont accent. Could have easily been a New Hampshire accent. That's true. So at the end of the day, weirdest shit book worth reading? Oh, yeah. 100%. Definitely. I agree. I really liked it. And it's not long. 
It's not. It's. It's. I have no idea how many. You'll pages think about it, it forever, but. But that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's actually better than most books. That's something that merits a reread, almost immediately, probably. Just I, like, wait, what? This <laughs> is the sort of book I almost wish I read in a class setting for some reasons because so I need like, or for someone to walk you through. I need it. a so sure to like take it piece by piece and digest it. Theme. Exactly. Oh. Mm. Yeah. I think that's Nepal. I really liked it. I will probably read it again at some point. It is one of the more memorable books I've read. I think, you know, we've talked about how we try to read a lot of books. And after reading a bunch of books, it's harder for things to stand out. And I'm not trying to say that in like a boastful way. It's like having a thousand beers. Yeah, like it's harder for something to be distinct. And when you read 10 books in a year or 20 books in a year or 100 books in a year, well, for one to stand out, it has to be really special. And this one really did stand out to me. Mm -hmm. This is much more memorable than a lot of other things I've read lately. And I highly recommend it. Really cool book. Yes. Me too. I'm probably going to go check out some of his short fiction now. Yeah, definitely. So George Saunders, if you're listening, fucking... Thumbs up. Yeah, please. And At least retweet us. Come on. Yeah, for reals. And round up to five... St- if anyone's listening and you feel like leaving us a review on iTunes, we are now well over 50 reviews, which is like, you know, basically a million. So drop us a review too, though. Can't hurt. And just round up to five stars. Unlike that one dickhead that gave us two stars. We're never going to let that go, are we? Yeah, that fucking I'm guy. never going to let that go. Until I dance on his grave. Or just send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.